0: Hey everybody, it is Traggs and this week on Red Sox Beat, a special trade edition, trade deadline week edition of Red Sox Beat. I welcome Julian McWilliams covering the Red Sox doing an outstanding job for the Boston Globe. You can follow him on Twitter at Julian Mack, all one word, J-U-L-I-A-N-M-A-C-K. I guess you are one busy individual, Julian, this week.
1: Yeah, it's, 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 uh it's what it, it, I guess it's what the season is partially all about, right? You get to this point and it is and sort of, and sort of, you uh, have this, this, this moment where, you know, nobody expected probably the Red Sox to be here in this situation, but here they are probably, you know, seller, I mean, buyers, people thought they were going to be sellers at, at probably if you were look at the season last year, but you know, here they are in, in first place and, you know, they got, they got to make some moves to to, to keep that push going.
0: 61 and 39 is where they're at, Julian. That's pretty amazing considering, you know, after a hundred games, they are a game ahead of Tampa Bay and they have essentially put the New York Yankees in their rearview mirror after let's recap real briefly what happened on Sunday afternoon at Fenway. They are getting no hit through seven innings and then explode in the eighth inning for five runs. I thought Alex Gore did a, an incredible job really managing that game and what did he say about uh, the uh, relief corps? If they can get out of the uh, seventh inning, uh, they're going to win this game?
1: Pretty amazing, right? I mean, look, look. the team is getting, like you said, they're getting no hit. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, we're up there in the press box. We're like, man, this is this going ha- to really happen? And then I know the, the opposing, the, the Yankees writers are like, am I really going to have to write a no-hitter story? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man, I, I feel free. I've been there because I was, because actually – the last time the Red Sox were no hit, I was covering the A's in Oakland. And that was in the, and that was when Sean Maniah threw the no hitter. Yep. So that's going through my head. Am I am, I'm like, am I like the 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 no hit curse for the Red Sox? And so you see Verdugo get that hit and then all of a sudden it was just like a an avalanche. It just happened so fast. And credit to Cora because yep. I mean I think I think a lot of times like what gets missed in all that is like, man, I, Aaron Aaron Boone, like the fact that he left uh, uh um what's his uh uh loisica in yeah. for, for for the fourth batter yes it was like you know what are you doing then he played infield back and not protecting not protect to protect the lead and then it just seemed like the game was moving so fast for him and then you know uh, then uh core brings in poweki when 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 um when um, Britain comes in for the lefty, so it, it, t- sort of like playing uh, Boone is trying to play cat and mouse, and then if Cora brings in brings in Puekhi to face Britain. Then they get the the RBI ground out. I mean, it just seemed like it was like comparing. It was like it was it was sort of like levels to everything, right? Like it just right, seemed, it was it,
0: like it was like Cora was playing the old expression. Cora was playing, um, you know chess when uh, Aaron Boone was playing checkers. That's what that, right. that seventh yeah. and eighth inning felt like on Sunday. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It just, it just seemed, it just seemed like the game was moving way too fast for Boone. And here you have core on the other side, just seemed like just a total wizard of the, of the moment. It just seemed, it, it's, it's just amazing what they're doing.
0: One, one thing Julian that I, I want to bring up about uh, Sunday's game and, and highlight a player that I don't think is getting enough attention. Uh, he's gone under the radar in the bullpen, Josh Taylor absolutely entered the seventh inning with one out and the bases loaded he struck out mike stanton and then induced to fly out uh to right field by Odor to strand all three runners he has not allowed a run in 34 of his 40 appearances this season
1: and remember he had that 26 game streak where he didn't allow a run um and and that was that was incredible um and i think the only person. I think he had like the streak was on the line and I think Koji Urahara was like one ahead of him and so I mean it's 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 pretty amazing I think and this is a person that you know missed all pretty much a lot of a chunk of last year you know with with, after he went down with COVID him and Dowers and Hernandez and then he came back and struggled Then all had the arm issues and and then I think this year he struggled in the beginning and then he was just like Cora's like look like I believe in you. You're our guy. And as he said, the fact of having that boost for him, you know, meant a lot. And that's sort of like just that coupled with like some mechanical changes has sort of like changed around the season. I mean, and and you're looking at a person that's, that's a linchpin to this bullpen. I mean, you look at that inning and I'm just, and you're sitting there, it's like three, nothing at the time. I'm like, "Mm, this, this can get ugly. And, you know, credit to him. He's, he's, he's pitched well all season.
0: Well, and, and let's let's face it. You know, the Red Sox, even if they had lost that game yesterday, even if they were no hit, they still split the series at right. uh, worst case, and that's not terrible considering uh, the Red Sox would have been, you know, sixty and forty. That's six hundred ball after a hundred games. That's still pretty great. But uh, to come back and win that game, and I thought Taylor was uh, the significance of Josh Taylor to me is the fact that Sawamura just went on the injured list and. You know, you're talking about a Red Sox uh, bullpen that, you know, Adam Ottavino has had his ups and downs, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think what we're going to, uh, you know, mostly ups early in the season. Uh, but you're talking about a guy that has really been a stabilizing force uh, in the middle part of that bullpen, especially um, to help Cora get to the back end, get to Matt Barnes.
1: Yeah. And keep in mind, like Ryan Brazier is still out. Like they haven't had him all season. I mean, I was a guy that, you know, even last year, he pitched pretty well last year. But like it's like that's a pretty much a person that you can sort of depend on it in the in the seventh inning. And they've had to sort of piece it, piece that, you know, part of the rotate I got the part of the bullpen up and, and sort of, you know, mix and match. And, and here's, you know, Josh Taylor, who's like the 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 ideal matchup guy. Um, and not just not not just the ideal matchup guy, because I think that might be discrediting him a little bit. Um, he's the ideal reliever to get guys out. I mean, I'm, at last two years ago, he might've been the ideal matchup guy for people on base, but he's turned into a different beast this year. And, and I think that's credit to his hard work and sort of credit to his, his, his mental um, um, philosophy too, because he seems like a very really, really like, you know, chill, sort of even keeled guy. And I think that's what you have to have, especially playing in this market.
0: What has surprised you the most, Julian, covering this team about this year, about this team this year? Just
1: the belief in themselves. I mean, this was a team that I, that I that I thought, you know, had a chance this year um, to be good. And I, I wasn't necessarily taking the approach of, oh man, they're going to be terrible. Um, I know that's been a lot of what, and I think they've sort of fed off of that, right? They sort of fed off the, and I think they sort of um, embellished it to a to a degree of saying, yeah, oh, they, they have you know, like the media thought we would be bad and all this stuff. It's like,
0: okay. They love the underdog role. I mean, and and you can't often be the underdog in Boston. You can be an underdog in Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Arizona, uh, Seattle even. You can be an underdog there. You can't necessarily be an underdog that naturally in Boston, but this Red Sox team has certainly embraced that. And look, I thought coming into this year they had a chance to be very competitive if they hit and they did do that but if this team gets the kind of pitching that in the bullpen that they have been getting um, on a consistent basis pretty much the whole season but especially of late then they're going to be uh, right there with the Astros with the White Sox and with Tampa Bay it's those to me those four teams in the American League one of those four teams is going to come out of the american league and make it to the world series
1: yeah and it's funny that you mentioned the fact of like you can't be an underdog because i think um Cora sort of like adopted that underdog role but then when he hurt like he heard his team start to say a lot he came out to us and said yeah you know okay let's let's pump the brakes a little bit you can't be an underdog in boston like right because i think Kike hernandez went on some tangent like oh the media is such a, and this is and this is his first year here it's like relax a little bit like you know it's it's this isn't the this isn't like you know you're not number two in, in La- I know you get the Dodgers and all that stuff but like you played there but it's like it's it's still different in Boston it's like a it's a bigger it's it means baseball means more here and the expectations are higher here in LA it's kind of you know it's LA it's a lot more going on here it's like it's sports so when Cora came out and said you know okay yeah you know he sort of said, okay, we have, we have to get going with that. We have to let go of that underdog role. Like you can't be an underdog in Boston, but, and I, that, that's sort of like, to your point that that was sort of interesting to me, but the most surprising thing about this team for me is just that they're never out of it. I mean, it's just, it just seems like, I mean, 32 come from behind and wins the most in the majors. Uh, I, I thought they were going to lose that game yesterday. I, yeah. I even, mean, they were whoo- dead
0: on the carpet. There was no doubt that they were, you know, really dead in the water and had no life to them and, and again, I say this, they won the first two games of the series. They lost on Saturday. If they split that series against the Yankees, nobody bats an eye. I mean, they're like, okay, just take care of business. The Yankees came back, did what they had to do to stay relevant uh, in the race. They split the series in Boston. They'll go about their way. The Red Sox would go on uh, and move on to the Toronto Blue Jays this week at Fenway. And, you know, that'll be it.
1: Yeah, I think this, this what, if anything, this week can show that this is a two-team race in this division. It's yes, no question. It's, I mean, race, excuse me, raising the, in the Red Sox. It's nobody else. It, it just seems that, it just seems like that's what it's going to be. And that's going to come down to the wire with that.
0: I don't, and I uh, everybody I've had on this podcast in the last month keeps telling, Lou Merlone, Chad Jennings, um, you name it. Uh, Whoever I've had on has said, keep an eye on the Toronto Blue Jays. Keep an eye on the Toronto Blue Jays. I just don't believe in their pitching. I just don't. They're going to mash, but I don't think they have the pitching to match with the Red Sox and the Rays.
1: No, I I don't think so either. And I think I spoke to Marcus Simeon at at All-Star and he said, you know, we just haven't really been able to put it together. Um, And that's sometimes what happens with young teams. But granted, young teams tend to play better in the second half. Well, that just hasn't really happened yet. So. You know they, they come coming for four. That that's a, still a dangerous team if they hit. Uh, I mean I mean, remember they put up like eighteen runs on the Red Sox. I think in the um, in the previous series they played here, and so they th- those runs can pile up on you quick. But like you said, their their pitching just isn't there, and especially their 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 relief corps just doesn't seem to. They just always seem to be giving up runs. When I'm covering a Toronto Blue Jays game, I'm saying this is going to be a long night.
0: <laughs> yep, we we had a couple of those here in Cincinnati where. Uh, the Reds and Cardinals over the weekend. They played a couple of three and a half, four-hour games, and they're just—they're hard to. It's hard to keep focused on the game because there's so many ways that the game can go over four hours. Whereas if you have a two, a nice, neat two and a half hour game, or even three hours, um, it's a lot easier to focus on the game. Right, Julian.
1: A lot easier. And I was in Buffalo last last week, and that that place plays like the. Uh, like the ball just flies out of there. I think the Red Sox put up like nine, eight or nine runs in an inning. And I was like, oh, no, is this is this going to be one of those nights in Buffalo at that? I'm like, oh,
0: <laughs> so- well, you, you don't have a lot of nightlife, as uh, Tom Brady will uh, tell everybody. There's not a lot to do in in Buffalo. So you might as well <laughs> focus on uh, spending your time at the ballpark. Um, the Blue Jays, by the way, the only way they really get back into this era, uh, into the uh, race is if they sweep all four games, yeah. right? I mean, they, yeah. they're they in a position now, they're nine and a half back, they're 49 and 46. They've actually fallen a half game behind the Yankees. And that's what the Yankees losing three or four uh, to the Red Sox over the weekend. I just don't, unless Toronto comes in and sweeps the Red Sox, I don't see uh, the Blue Jays being very relevant. And that could be interesting because, uh, you know, the, the Blue Jays aren't really going to make a push, I think, this week. Uh, to be buyers i don't know if they're necessarily going to be sellers or what what they can yeah. sell on the market um but i don't they're not going to be buyers
1: i i can't see that either i mean it's it's still a very young team too i mean i know i know right. you have uh sort of their pitching staff is a little bit older but like you see the the pieces sort of coming together um and and you see the inconsistencies in that too right like you see the when they come, it's like they make lazy throwing errors, you know, boot balls in between their legs, Na- natural stuff that kids do. Then they'll go up and right. mash a three-run home run, right? So it's like, okay, it's there, but, like, the the, the consistency and being able to do it on a day-in and day-out basis as a big leaguer, like a Bo Bichette in, in the field, you know, that's he's sort of, like, all over the place a little bit sometimes. I don't know if he's playing out of position or he needs to be playing second. He's probably more of a second baseman, if you ask me. Um, but – I think that you see the, the, the flaws and in, in the sort of just the ability to stay focused in, in a nine inning game for that team. It sort of gets to them at certain points.
0: Speaking with Julian McWilliams, covering the Red Sox, doing an outstanding job covering the Red Sox for the Boston Globe. You can follow him on Twitter at Julian Mac, all one word. Hey, sports fans, bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season, of course, in full swing, and you can track all of the action at Bet Online. Get all of the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including MLB, NHL, NBA, and of course UFC, MMA. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all of the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and of course, it's free to sign up before the next pitch, head on over to bet online on your laptop or your mobile device and take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. bet online your online sportsbook experts. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS 50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online your online sportsbook experts. back with Julian McWilliams covering the Red Sox for the Boston Globe. All right, Julian, this is what a lot of people are waiting on this week for us to talk about. On Friday, not Saturday, July 31st, but Friday, July 30th at 4 p.m. That's the Major League Baseball trade deadline. The Red Sox, we figure at this point, are definitely going to be buyers. They're obviously uh, in first place in the American League Eastern Division. It's them and Tampa Bay, one and two, or one and 1A in the American League Eastern Division. The number one priority for the Red Sox at the trading deadline is,
1: uh, I think, a first baseman. Uh, you got to figure that that situation out. You look at a Bobby Dalbec; I, I don't think he's ready, I, I, and I think the Red Sox have sort of realized that. You know, it's, he's had I think three walks since the start of June, um, and this is a guy that sort of controlled the strike zone and, and all throughout. Um, you know, the minors, and that's something that Cora said, yeah, this is, that's kind of a surprise to me, like, with him, is, like, the fact that he's not walking, like, yeah, we knew about the high strikeout rate, but we're, like, okay, like, but we can deal with that, because he's able to control the strike zone, right. so you look at that situation, and, and just how they're trying to mix and match, they tried a Royal there, and he, he blew his his hammy out on, on the stretch, and and I think Cora sort of felt bad about that, so you're, you're looking now, and saying, okay, they, they got, they got to figure out, you know, a way to, way to get her first baseman, and I think, the name that comes up a lot is, is Anthony Rizzo. I mean, he was drafted by Boston um, originally, then was traded uh, to the Padres. So he has familiarity in, in this in this organization, certainly. So, you know, what I guess that 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 could be certainly a, an interesting choice if they were to go that way.
0: Well, I mean, I think you you get a bat like Anthony Rizzo and put that in the lineup. It does a couple of things. First of all, it's the impact on the field that the Red Sox are looking for, but it's the message that's delivered not only uh, around the American league, but inside the clubhouse. And to me, that does matter. I think a lot of times when you try to make moves like this or try to improve your roster um, or try to do anything in the organization, you know, there's a lot of eye rolling and whatever. And that's nice that, you know, we picked up a bat or we picked up an arm, but when you do something to a team or for a team that's 61 and 39, and you're trying to really get them over the hump. It really inspires the clubhouse.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I always go back to this this um, thing that that the the A's um, GM David Force uh, told me like two, three years ago when they when they made when they went on the sort of a run where they just you know and, and typical A's run. And he says, yeah. you know, you don't. He says when you're when you have an opportunity to make a push for the playoffs, you just you don't punt it you know regardless of whatever situation you're in they were in a situation where they were a very very young team and they just had like a a very old pitching staff that was sort of overperforming, and they're like you know you sort of have to reward these guys right and I think that 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 plays into the morale of the team too it's like okay you're playing well here's what you do you don't you don't put on a season just to you know get a better spot in the draft or you know whatever I, I don't think that sort of trust the process uh, Philadelphia 76ers way necessarily yeah. for team morale. You know, I mean, I no, think. Thank you. Right. And I'm There's a the-
0: Sixer fan, by the way, Julian. I don't know if you knew that.
1: Are you a Philly guy?
0: Yeah, I, I went to Villanova and okay, uh, lifelong. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, we've owned the big five, but I won't, uh, yeah. won't rub it in <laughs> too <have>. much.
1: Certainly <laughs> have. I can't, can't deny that.
0: But no, I do not believe in the process. I think that's BS. I, I, Sam Hinckley screwed that organization so badly but it's not an NBA podcast I get it but I have to vent a little bit um yeah no, I think there's I, a lot to be learned from the Sixers that you can apply over all sports I really do right. and you try to make your team better with the best players you can acquire to complement your roster and Absolutely. to me, the, six, the lesson of the Sixers is they uh, relied on two players that were very, I want to say, vertical in terms of being, mm-hmm. you know, sil- uh, silos. You, you, right. you, they talk about in, in, in business, silos being vertical and not horizontal enough and covering yeah. enough territory. That's what the Sixers were with Ben Simmons and, and Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid's right. turned out great. Uh, but Ben Simmons is just a headache, and you know when you're building a roster in baseball, it's sort of the same way. You don't build around necessarily one or two players, and do that in a vacuum. You have to take into pro, uh, into consideration the entire roster, and I'm sure Heim Bloom's going to be doing that.
1: Yeah, if if, if this I I love the NBA, so we could probably go for days on that if I were to. Ugh. But no, I. I I totally get you. I mean, I'm, I'm a Knicks fan, you know, and I think uh, they've been terrible most of my life, you know, and they've tried everything. But it's like if you build a culture, if you build a foundation, which, you know, Tom Thibodeau has done, and I think that sort of has helped. So to, to apply that to the Red Sox, Cora has a culture there. Yes. Right? He, he has a system in place. He yes. has this, this idea. And I think a lot of those players are overperforming, or, or maybe performing up to what their capabilities are because he has that expectation. He's created that culture. He's big into, you know, believing in guys and, and giving them a chance and, and all this other stuff. So, and he protects his guys. So, and I think Heim Bloom also has a culture where he's like, I'm trying to build long-term sustainability. Um, but within that though, he says, within that, within that long-term sustainability, I believe I saw it in the Chad Jennings article, um, Bloom said, you know, within that, I, I, that doesn't mean we don't want to win this year right? That doesn't right. want to we necessarily punt on this year just because, you know, we're trying to build that long-term sustainability. Similar in a fashion what the Yankees have done, you know, they granted having a down season this year, but man, they, I think they've made the playoffs. I think every year, um, I think what one year in the last, I don't know, maybe it's, it's, it's a long streak. And I think you can point to that sort of, the sustainability of granted they've been out without a title so like I mean without a world series so that's another thing. yeah but
0: it's like, hollow if you're in New York and you're making the playoffs right. but you're not really exactly. competing for a world exactly. the last time they were really close is when they when the Chapman gave up the home run to Jose Altuve in game yeah. seven and that, then, or game six
1: yeah and then prior to that they sort of in 2017 they sort of got there by mistake uh, when they when they lost to the Astros in seven like they they snuck in as a wild card, you know, took, they want, you know, they beat Cleveland in that, and when Cleveland had that really good year. Um, so I think long-term sustainability just goes to like just winning titles, but also not sort of the Dodgers way, I guess, in a sense, right. Just they, but the Dodgers now have to capitalize and win again, I think, or, you know, do something again, because you can't just, you know, long-term sustainability just means like, I think you want that sort of long-term success, but you, in, in, in this, you have to reward winning.
0: All right. Um, let's talk about uh, let, give me three names, two or three names, pictures, starting pictures that they may be in on, because I do think they're going to try to add a starting picture to the staff, even with Chris Sale, who um, I believe uh, will his next appearance will be in Worcester on Saturday. Is that right? Saturday. Yep. Saturday, yep. So wow. give me give me two or three names, uh, starting pictures that they may be in on.
1: I always say, I think they need to go to, to Jose Barrios um, from the, from the um, um, excuse me, from the twins. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a guy that's, I think he's making like what eight, 8 million this year. And, you know, it's toward the end of the season, the Red Sox sort of won't be on the hook for that, you know, for a for, for, for much he's, he's been throwing the ball. he throws the ball really well. Um, young guy, um, you know, it's it, the Minnesota twins, obviously are on the sellers market. They traded Rich Hill. Um, you know to the to to the Mets you know so I, I I think that that's that's certainly a name that they need to be be in on um, in terms of like in terms of like their their depth I think I do think they need to add another reliever um, yes. to, 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 the, to the fold I think you, just the fact of depending on a Matt Barnes and you know even throwing a Brandon Workman out there that's sort of that that in that moment yesterday that was a little scary because he's sort of been up and down
0: Right, and and that's kind of what I thought. They're not going to get Craig Kimbrel. I I think no, the New York no. Mets. If there's one team that makes the most sense for Craig Kimbrel uh, this week to be on the lookout for, it's the New York Mets, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I think the the uh, the the Craig Kimbrell days in in Boston are over. Though he's he's throwing the ball really well though, and I yes. I never thought he would he would come back from that from that 2018 uh, uh moment when then when there was like sort of like this huge gasp in Yankee stadium when Gary Sanchez flew out to a uh, flat out to the, uh, to, to, to left. I was like, Oh man, what's, what's happening here? So I think the, the, the Craig Kimbrell thing, I think that's sort of a, that, that's sort of a sale because uh, you know, he's, he's, he's um, I, I just don't see it happening in Boston.
0: All right. And uh, what uh, you expect from Chris sale when he does eventually return is he a guy you can, you know, Alex Cora can, step on the gas a little bit uh, because he doesn't have any innings this year. And, or is he somebody they're going to really treat with kid gloves and, and be very cautious going forward?
1: I think they'll pick and choose their spots with him. Like the thing with Chris and like, he'll, he'll, like, he'll say it himself. He'll he's like, man, I don't know, like, not like being in the middle and not going full throttle. Like when I'm on the mound, like there should, there's really no gray area with me. Like I'm, I'm stepping on the gas. So like you know, so I think with that, like they're gonna have to like reel him in a little bit, you know, because Chris will go out there and he'll say, Yeah, I can throw nine innings right now. You know, that's just the kind of mentality that he has. He has that kind of like that, I'm gonna beat you up in the back alley to kind of like mentality. That's
0: one of the things Cora loves about him though.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But and then Cora kind of alluded to it yesterday. He said that, you know, yeah, well we're going to bring him along. Like, you know, we want to win with, like we think he can be definitely a difference maker for us. Obviously it's Chris sale, but we're also trying to be prudent in the way that we sort of utilize him in terms of not, you know, still setting him up to be healthy, going to next season. You know what I mean? Because that's the season that, that we're going to really, really see the Chris sale that we, that we know. Um, And he could come back and, and be great. You know, Tommy John is, is sort of a, a tricky thing you saw Matt Harvey come back and he wasn't wasn't that great I know Chris had nine strikeouts yesterday but you know we'll see what he does against big league hitters but I think this is somebody that you can look at and say hey the position that the Red Sox are in right now then they add Chris Sale that's a, that's a pretty good that's a pretty good deal I take I think any team would take that
0: well and and it's obviously one of the uh cliches of the trade deadline when teams point to players on the injured list and they say well when, when we get them back it's like uh, making a trade for a frontline player. I think that there's a little bit of truth in that, but it's different when you bring in a player uh, of high caliber from the outside and the GM's actually trying to do something to improve your roster from the outside. That really sends a message more than just a player coming off the injured list.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. But I I think also that just having Chris Sale around. I mean, it's yep. just the fact that you see him coming, it's like, oh, that's just a jolt of energy within itself. It's just because it's like, man, we we were able to sustain this success and be in first place for pretty much all the year. And now we have our guy coming back. Like that, I mean, like that. That's you know, it's, I think any team would take that, right? I think it's if the Yankees, you know, are in a situation where, and granted, this guy is nowhere near on Chris Sale's level. But if the Yankees were in a situation where they're in first place and then they said, oh, yeah, Luis Louis Severino's, like, you know, coming back or Garrett Cole's coming back, you know, something like that, they'd be like, man, this is, you know, this is, this is awesome. This is, like, any team would take this. So I think, I think there's, there's certainly there's value in adding outside, and, and I do think that offers it also offers that sense of, like, you know, that boost, but I think also having Chris Sale man i i I'd, I'd be so happy about that and and you, and you hear within red Sox fans here within from up to maine to new hampshire to you know wherever to Worcester, you know to boston it's 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 loud when you when you when when they hear chris sales coming back
0: you think it's better than 50-50 anthony Rizzo li- lands in boston
1: i think it's a 50 i think it's i'd say it's 60-40 yeah that's a put or 55-50 I mean, well, that doesn't add up right that's
0: 964
1: 55-45 55-45 yeah I I'd, I'd say it's somewhere, somewhere in that range. I, I mean, the Red Sox, I mean, they, they don't really have anything to lose with that. I mean, the Cubs are obviously selling, they're looking at you know, getting rid of Chris Bryant too. I mean, and those are sort of like the, especially Rizzo, I mean, he's considering how long he's, he's, he's been there, but um, those are sort of like linchpins to that organization. So, you know, I, I think, I think the fact that if they were to get him another left-handed bat in that lineup, that's that, that'll be huge.
0: You're going to be busy this week, Julian, and I appreciate you taking time out.
1: Hey, I need time. I appreciate it so much.
0: And it'll be uh, interesting following you uh, on Twitter at Julian Mack, J-U-L-I-A-N-M-A-C-K, all one word. Of course, follow Julian McWilliams uh, covering the Red Sox for the Boston Globe. I want to thank everybody for downloading today's podcast. Thank our terrific guest. Julian McWilliams covering the Red Sox on a daily basis for the Boston Globe. Also want to thank our great sponsor, betonline.ag. For Julian McWilliams, I'm Mike Petralia, and this has been the Red Sox Beat Podcast powered by Steel CLNS Media.